Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the first series of Help, I'm in my 20s a career development podcast where we hear stories of young professionals in many different careers. I'm Georgie, your host and creator of this podcast. My aim is that you will hear insights into various career paths that people are taking, hear the detail of how they got to where they are now and listen to key learnings from their experiences. Today we have a secondary school teacher joining us. We're welcoming Charlotte Dunn, an English teacher who has recently been promoted to head of department at her school in London. I've known Charlotte for quite a few years, having met her when I moved into a house share with her and some others, and we lived together for two years. She left university not knowing if she wanted to be a teacher, so we'll hear how she made that decision and her experiences along the way up to leading her department. I love talking to teachers. It's such a different way of working to being in an office, or a virtual office, and you get to hear some hilarious stories of what kids get up to. So let's get started. Welcome, Charlotte, to Help I'm in My 20s. Thanks so much for being part of this podcast. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, So today we're going to just talk about your career journey and your experiences today and how you got into where you are and how you got to where you are as well. So I don't know whether you could just give a quick introduction, maybe from before university, university today and see, um, let's hear your career journey. Cool. Okay. so um, I went to Leeds University and I studied classics, Mm -hmm. um, classical civilization. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do as a career the whole time I was at uni. I guess you don't really think about it very much when you're at uni. No. You're you're having too much fun. Um, But I'd always kind of thought about teaching because I loved school. Um, And so when I finished university, I moved to London with Ed, who's my boyfriend. And I became a teaching assistant Mm -hmm. because I thought that was a good way of seeing what what it would be like to work in a school and I really really loved it so then I applied for the teach first program Mm -hmm. which is uh, a program which trains uh graduates um or even career changes now there's a lot of career changes to be teachers in in disadvantaged schools Mm um yeah and that's how I ended up becoming an English teacher and Mm -hmm. then obviously like you said I've progressed on to becoming a head of department this year 
congratulations it's very Thanks. exciting well deserved as well thank you I mean from living together I I saw how hard you worked like as often I think people think teachers okay it's like you know mm -hmm. you do the school hours and that's it but the amount of marking you have to do and you lugging around those exercise books I couldn't <laughs> believe how like on a Friday you'd come home with like 25 books <laughs> it's quite a lot to take on the tube yeah no it's a lot <laughs> I think yeah there is that kind of myth that teachers mm. clock off at three o'clock when the kids leave but I think like because we get such amazing holidays um mm. you sort of accept that during term time you're going to be working harder yeah maybe but it's definitely <laughs> hard work so it just going all the way back to university so yeah how did you decide on classics or classic civilization so I did, I was really lucky, the, the secondary school I went to um, did classics as an A-level. Okay. Um, so I chose that because I thought it sounded really fascinating, really mm. interesting. And my teacher uh, for my A-level classics was amazing. Like she was super, super passionate and the whole class just absolutely loved the subject. Oh, I also did, yeah, no, she was an amazing teacher. And I think that kind of my experience of having amazing teachers as well help me make the decision to become a teacher because I saw how fine that they enjoy one subject of a joint honours more and yeah so I changed in my second year to doing full classical civilization mm. but yeah it was great I absolutely loved it it's such a kind of unique subject I think and I guess like a lot of like a lot of arts degrees it kind of doesn't have a very obvious career path that leads on okay yeah but I'm so glad that I did something that I loved at uni rather than something that I thought was practical mm -hmm. um because it meant I, I did really enjoy the studying side of uni as well as the fun party friendship side yeah I bet I think like it, as you say it's so important it's three whole years mm -hmm. to make sure that it's something you enjoy with the changing to, you know, full classics, did you have to retake a year or was it just you carried on? I carried on. Um, the only thing that I had to do in the second year was take a first year compulsory module, Okay. Um, which was fine. Like yeah. the, the module was about ancient history, which isn't the, the side of classics I love. I really like the literature and the art and the culture. Mm. So I had to do this compulsory history module, but basically I just needed to pass it. Yeah. It was kind of just like a, compulsory part of the course okay so that so would not, be anything yeah mm. no it was fine that's good and then so from there did you straight away become a teaching assistant or did you have a bit of time off between university and that um no I literally had the summer holidays and then Ed who you know mm -hmm. uh, my boyfriend was moving to London for a job and he was like well you should move too it'll be fun <laughs> And so that summer I signed up to a, like a, a teaching agency okay. um, who placed people, who, who found, who found people placements in schools. Um, mm. And I just, I thought I may as well see because, because education had always been a career path that I'd thought about. Yeah. And I was like, well, I may as well see what it's like. A teaching assistant is like a, a nice way into education because you get to see what working in a school is like but without having to like fully commit yourself to training to become a teacher mm. and they um placed me really quickly with it they found me a job really really quickly um okay. in a school in Pimlico mm -hmm. that was amazing so yeah I just had my summer holidays after after uni and then in September I started so not much time at all <laughs> no so what does a teaching assistant do and how does that differ from being a teacher like qualified teacher 
I think my official job title was an intervention tutor. It's effectively a teaching assistant role, but I was given a small group of mm-hmm. children with special educational needs who okay. I sort of supported throughout their school day. So I worked with a boy who was deaf. Um, yeah. I worked with a boy who was visually impaired. I, wo- I worked with two students who were selective mutes. Okay. So they, they found talking really difficult at school. Mm. And my job essentially was to attend lessons with them, um, support them with accessing their work, work with their teacher to like kind of differentiate and adapt work for the students Mm. and then also provide pastoral support to the students. So if they were finding something really difficult and they needed a little bit of extra help or someone to talk to, like we were there um, as a team of tutors and also like we develop really good connections with their parents Mm. so the parents could could kind of communicate with us quite regularly about how their child was getting on trust the education they're getting as well that's so yeah exactly so it was really really nice and like I formed really nice bonds with those students I think when you're a teaching assistant or an LSA or a an intervention tutor as I was Mm. called you're kind of you're you're in a less authoritative role Mm-hmm. So you don't really have the authority to tell the kids off and okay. you don't have to deal with the behavior issues if there are any. So I think mm. the students see you more as like a, almost like a big sister or yeah, an auntie, so nice. which is really sweet. For the deaf student, how did you communicate? Um, no, he could lip read and he okay. also had, um, he had, I don't know what it's called. He had something that he wore on mm. his hearing aid and then you would wear a microphone around your neck and it okay. kind of, I think, amplified sound for him. Gosh, so interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing that you can provide that extra support and they can have it as equal as possible education, which is so important. Yeah, no, it's, it is amazing. And, and like at the school I work at now, we have loads and loads of... Um, learning support assistants who do similar things and I think they just make such a difference to students experiences of school Mm. Um, so it is like it is a really important job which I don't think is necessarily recognized as being important within schools because I think when you think of schools you think of teachers and head teacher and you don't really think about all those other people who are making um who who are making like education a good experience for students who might Mm. find school difficult otherwise I bet that was so fulfilling as well for you to know that you're making a difference. Yeah, it was, it was really amazing. And and I think just the fact that I learned so much about the different needs that students could have has helped me a lot when I've become a teacher, because I already had that sort of understanding. Okay. I might have students in my class who find school really difficult, who can't access the work in the same way. And I have some idea of what I can do to help them. Yeah, no, that's great. And you get to see how a school is run as well, because you're there every day. That must exactly. make a huge difference in terms of experience. Yeah. I think, so, yeah, I, I was in so many different lessons that I saw so many different teachers teaching and so many different mm. styles of teaching that it really helped me kind of formulate in my head, well, if I'm going to be a teacher, what kind of teacher do I want to be? That's great. And then were you there the two years, the same school, or did you move to a different school? Yeah, I was there for two years. Two years. And then that was the time when you said, okay, I'd like to be a teacher. Let's go and do yeah. teach first. Exactly. It, it, it kind of confirmed for me, this is actually what I want to do. I love this working environment. Mm. So Teach First is different, isn't it, to a PGCE because it's more learning while doing rather than doing a degree. Is that right? So, yeah, within Teach, when you do the Teach First programme, you do get a PGCE at the okay. end of it. Right. So you're affiliated with the university. So 
when I did it, I was affiliated with Canterbury Christchurch University. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a PGC from them. So you still have to do the academic side of right. writing essays um, and kind of like reflective projects about your experience. But you don't, you, you are placed in a school as a full-time teacher with a full-time job. So you essentially train on the job okay. um, and you, you do your academic side of the PGC on the side so I guess like every holiday we have to write an essay so it was a very mm. intense two years but I think teach first is very appealing to lots of people because you get paid to do it mm. yeah so if you're someone who's had a job for two years like I did I didn't want to go back to um not being paid I didn't want to go mm. back to having like kind of paying paying myself for university yeah of course and so it's two years and then at the end of that two years you just you qualify is there an exam or is it just you've done all that experience you've done the essays and therefore you're now qualified is that how it works yeah so at the, I think at the I think at the end of the first year mm. I did it quite a while ago so <laughs> at the end of the first year you you become a qualified teacher because you get your okay. PGC after one year right. and then your second year you um are a newly qualified teacher so mm. you have to kind of pass the second year as well so you you have lots of observations and kind of people are checking that your teaching is up to scratch essentially and Mm. you have lots of training and mentoring still to support you but I think the Teach First program two years as well because they they don't want people just going into schools for a year and then leaving right because I, I, I think it's really important in schools to have teachers who do stay for for a sustained period of time because they get to know the students and the school and it provides stability yeah so yeah at the end of the two years you um you're free to leave obviously the school if you either want to go to a new school or you you've decided teaching is not for you but I think Mm -hmm. lots and lots of people end up staying at their placement school which I have done so I've stayed at my school since and I've this is my eighth year with them wow yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's great and then so how did you settle on English as well um I guess English is the subject that is taught in schools that I love the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I could te- I, I could have taught classics, but I wouldn't have been able to go through Teach First because okay. classics isn't a subject that is generally taught in state schools. Right, okay. Um, and Teach First is, it places teachers in state schools because it's about kind of achieving educational equality. Mm. Um, and targeting areas where there's perhaps like economic disadvantage in the community and it's about improving education in those areas mm-hmm. so yes English was the subject that was available to me that I love the most and I, I actually really love teaching English um, because I love reading and mm-hmm. I love stories and I love books and poetry and everything so it's, it is a subject that I love and I think that's important as well to have if you're a teacher and you're teaching something you're not passionate about it's not going to be very enjoyable. Mm. No, I remember your regular trips to the charity shop with all of your books that you'd bought and read and probably <laughs> like bags and bags in the time I'd read maybe two books. <laughs> and I, I read quite a lot, but you're faster really, I think as well, but also it's something you love. So you do it a lot more. As well. mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love reading. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's so good. And then, so when you come off Teach First, you are English teacher. Is that, mm-hmm. I guess, like the title? And then how did you find transitioning off that? Was there still support available to you if you needed it in terms of mentoring? 
Um, you, I didn't have an official mentor, but my school, the reason I, I've stayed at my school is because it's, it's just such a supportive environment. Um, mm. Like my department has always been so, so supportive. And like the whole staff body is so supportive. Um, so although you don't have, after your two years, you'll be, you're basically, you're just a qualified teacher. Mm. You, you don't have an official mentor. You don't have official support in place but if you're in a good department like I am or in a good school like I am there's so much support around you that you mm. just sort of you're, you've got all that and you've got everything you need yeah. to, to develop um yeah <laughs> and then so from there to becoming head of department what were the sort of stages so I'm um, I mean you're in secondary school I, I mm-hmm. know that primarily you've been teaching GCSE rather than the kind of later education mm-hmm. So how do you progress kind of through the department? Do you get, which different responsibilities do you get as time goes on? Um, so, yeah, I've done quite a few, well, I've done a few different roles within the department before becoming the head of department. Mm. So I think in my third year of teaching, so after I completed Teach First, I um, was in a role as Key Stage 3 coordinator. So I was okay. supporting the head of department with designing the Key Stage 3 curriculum. So that in my school is year seven and eight. Okay. Um, and then I then kind of over the next few years transition into becoming the Key Stage 4 coordinator, which is GCSE year groups. So for quite a number of years, three or four years, I was Key Stage 4 coordinator. So I kind of like helped with the head of department with writing the Key Stage 4 curriculum, with mm-hmm. assessment, with making sure that the Key Stage 4 teachers felt really supported, um, all that kind of stuff. And that gave me, I guess, the experience I needed to feel confident to apply for the head of department role when it came up because Mm -hmm. I'd worked so closely with my head of department at the time um, that I felt I knew her job really well Mm -hmm. because I'd supported her so much with things. And so it was kind of like really nice stepping stones into the role that I'm in now. Mm. I think that makes sense. And then being able to see the role before you actually start it I think that's something that I don't think everyone really gets that visibility always when they're maybe being promoted or going for a promoted job so I think that's so nice you could actually dip your toe in the water before you Mm -hmm. kind of went for it as well and so now you're head of department and Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in how you write a curriculum I think Mm -hmm. it must be a lot of responsibility to say okay this is what we're going to do this year this term Mm -hmm. how do you do that? It is a big, it's like, it's a really, I guess, a really big project. And Mm. I'm really lucky in that we've always had a good curriculum in place, but it's just about responding to and adapting to changes or needs um, of the students. So when it, at Key Stage 4 and Key Stage 5, because we, we, in my school, we do have um, Key Stage 5, we do the IB rather than A-levels. You do have that in the background, you know, you've got to get the students ready for their exams. Yeah. So that kind of dictates a lot of the text that you choose and the skills that you do. But, uh, but in terms of like the day-to-day curriculum design, what teachers are doing in lessons, you are, you think you're thinking really carefully about, okay, within our context in our school, like how do we get our students engaged in English? What do they need? Mm. How can we appeal to their interests? And, and lots of it is, is just thinking about which texts are really engaging and enjoyable, but also really challenging. Um, at the minute, the big thing that we're thinking about is diversifying our curriculum because mm. 
I mean, there's been lots of kind of talk in the media recently, yeah. even this week, about how very few students read anything that's not written by a white author. Mm, and in my okay. school, where we're a really um, diverse school, like our students mm. come from lots of different cultures and religions. And so to present them with a curriculum that's just full of white authors is, mm. it, it, it's not, I guess it's not appropriate. It's not appealing to them. Um, and it doesn't make them feel included. So yeah. at the minute, like our project is where can we bring in diverse authors and kind of show our students that that authors aren't just white men. Yeah, <laughs> give a bit of variety. Do you, yeah. think, do you think that's something that the students notice as well? Do they talk to you about it as well? Yeah, so our my um, manager who is now an assistant vice principal at the school did a massive school survey asking okay. students what they thought about the different kind of authors and role models that we talk about at school and so many of them said we we want more we want to, to learn more about people who are from different cultures and different backgrounds mm. we want to learn more about people who are from similar cultures to us yeah. so they are they are really aware mm. um particularly I think the older students because lots of our older students in the sixth form are really um, socially aware and care a lot about things like Black Lives Matter um, and so they they know and they're really confident in, in talking to us about it which I really appreciate I always say to my mm. sixth form class you know I really I love that you're confident enough to say miss we need to read more diverse authors. Mm. But it's amazing they feel that they have a voice which is you know what they should feel yeah and exactly I think nothing's going to change unless someone says something and then acts upon it as well so I think that's great that it's actually it's not just lip service like you're actually making the change yeah. as well it's not you know doing a survey and being like okay we hear you we mm -hmm. see that and then nothing changes you're actually making that change which is so important to actually you know act on it yeah it's really really important to us at the minute because we, we want our students to feel like literature belongs to them. Mm. It's not just something written by other people that they have to read. It's relevant to them. And we want them to feel inspired as well to write and to express themselves. That's so amazing. Do you feel like in the last year, I mean, of course, everyone knows about George Floyd and there's so yeah. many other stories, sadly, that kind of reflects what's been I guess going on for a long time but we're hearing a lot more about it now do you feel like in the past year things have not oh, amplified seems the wrong word but have you know has it become more pressing yeah I think I was talking to my sixth form students about this the other day that I think unfortunately it took something so tragic to mm -hmm. open educators eyes I guess because I yeah. think for a long time it was really easy for us to say to kind of not be aware of what the reality of what was happening mm. and that's kind of something that we need to reflect on I guess as a society and as educators and that it that it took something so awful for us to think may, we need to do something to make our students feel included and mm. important um, although that's a positive thing that we are now I guess as educators thinking about that it shouldn't have taken so long for us to get here. Yeah, I think that's the same for so many people in power and like industries as well. I don't think it's, you know, it's not just education, it's mm -hmm. everywhere. And I think there is a lot of 
lip service I think like I personally don't have social media but I remember everyone saying you know I think there was like the, you know the blackout on social media mm-hmm. but putting up a picture isn't actually going to change anything like you need yeah. to you know make changes in your life make changes at work as well and I think that's so amazing that you're actually doing it <laughs> I think I think so I see so much lip service to it and it yeah it frustrates me a bit <laughs> yeah and I think just kind of like what is really important to me as a head of department that it doesn't become tokenistic like I don't mm. want students to feel like oh we're just doing this because of what's happened we want it we want it to become a situation where we have a curriculum that's not like so 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 consciously diverse that we're just doing it because that's the thing we do rather than Mm. as all saying like we need to do this because of what's happened yeah of course and like it's not just something we do for a year or two years we actually Mm. change that our mindset completely yeah I think it's been so much change in the last year and so much learning as well and I guess like you know students are there to learn but teachers have to learn all the time as well and yeah it will come from younger generations a lot of the time so I mean another huge challenge in the last year has been coronavirus and the whole pandemic yeah. <laughs> so I know that's been all the teachers I've spoken to are just I think exhausted to be honest but yeah. how has it been so I guess let's start last March so suddenly mm-hmm. you're not going into school yes I mean it was it's just something like I've never ever ever thought in my kind of wildest dreams that would happen that mm. we, that I would ever work from home first of all it was just something <laughs> yeah. I, I was like I'm a teacher I'm never gonna ever ha- be able to work from home that's okay mm. um yeah so we got told I think it was March the 23rd was our first mm. day of online school um and I think like as a whole in the UK I think schools were I didn't really know how to respond mm. I was really, I think, not I, my school and our students were really lucky because our school is set up technologically really well in mm. that we give every student a Chromebook. Okay. Wow. So there were lots of problems, I think, for, for many parents in that you usually generally just have one family computer. Mm. But if you have three or four children or even two children, there's not enough devices for each of them and computers are really expensive. So it's not, you can't, it's, you can't expect people to be buying new devices mm. and it's not possible for lots of people. So we were, our kids were really lucky because they already had Chromebooks. So it, it was really kind of easy for us to just straight away say, we're going to teach over Zoom mm. because we knew that all our students had access to the internet. And in cases where some of our students didn't have the internet at home, we, um, gave them dongles so okay. the school school provided internet access for them so essentially just on March the 23rd we just opened our laptops and we started teaching on zoom so mm-hmm. I think we were as a school quite far ahead of other schools who yeah. I know lots of schools in the first lockdown were sending like paper worksheets home and or kind of like setting work online but not really being able to interact with students because mm-hmm. students didn't always have access to a computer all the time Whereas for us, we we just quickly delivered our normal school timetable over Zoom. And so although it was really bizarre, I think it was kind of like the best thing that could have happened for the students, but also for the teachers, because mm-hmm. it gave such structure and routine to our days. Okay. So I just knew that every day I, I had I was gonna start start teaching at 8.40 and I would teach until 3.30 and I would just teach my normal day see my students as normal 
have mm-hmm. my meetings as normal um and I think that was something that really helped me cope personally with living through a pandemic mm-hmm. and that my, my work life just moved online and wasn't wasn't that different mm. no definitely and I think I mean it must be so hard for stu- like for students who okay there's a massive technology problem loads of people don't have a computer but even for those who do it must be so hard for kids especially if you know maybe attention spans aren't that good to yeah. keep kids motivated keep them engaged keep them learning that must be such a challenge like did you have when there were kids who maybe found that more challenging how was the school able to support them I think it was about being really aware Mm. all the time of the fact that we were living through something no one had ever experienced before yeah and so I think you know normally when you're in school if a child student is in your class and they're not doing any work you will speak to them and kind of you want them to be working like there's not you you wouldn't let a child just sit in your class and not do work Mm. but I think when we were online some students were finding it really difficult to engage and it was just about being really empathetic and talking to them and finding different ways around it um and understanding the situations that were that they were living in because I mean some of our kids um suffered loss during Mm. the coronavirus like many people did and so we had to manage our expectations of what was reasonable appropriate and fair Mm. Um, we obviously wanted all of our students to access work as much as possible but we weren't you know you wouldn't punish students no of course not um Mm. who were finding it difficult you would adapt and and communicate and think of different ways to engage them and provide them with with learning Mm. um and yeah, it was really hard because we'd never done it before. I, none of us had ever been trained to teach over Zoom and it's a super different experience. Like you don't, you can't, talking over Zoom is so much harder than talking face to face. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But I think we did an amazing job. And just the fact that we provided that stability and routine to students was so much more important than how much learning they might have done. Yeah, exactly. Because I think in terms of like mental health, and that was that was the thing that having those online lessons gave people was the chance to see a familiar face every day mm. so a chance to talk and to hear your teacher and hear your students um that was I think that was the most important thing that we did rather than providing loads of lots of education yeah I mean teachers aren't just there to teach curriculum they're there for so much more and yeah. school is your you know it's your formative years it's going to really shape your life going you know forever it's your whole life experience and who you are as a person do you feel like some of the students really suffered not having that social interaction do you feel like their social skills maybe suffered as part of that yeah definitely I think just like any of us um it, it was I think it, it's hard like school is a super sociable place like I mm. the, one of the reasons I love going to school is because you get to see your friends all day yeah um, <laughs> although like that's not the reason you go to school that is as a as a child or a teenager something that's often very nice about school mm. and so I think our students did find it really really hard not not being in that social environment every day and I, I suppose like anecdotally, like we don't have any like solid evidence that their social skills have been affected. But I think when mm. we've come back to school, like the transition hasn't always been easy yeah. for the students um, coming back to the classroom environment and being in an, a loud, noisy room again with lots of people. Yeah, um, overwhelming. And I think, yeah, very overwhelming. And I think especially for students like our, our new year sevens who came from year six, like mm. year six is kind of, again, like a really formative year where you grow up a lot um, mm. and you get ready for secondary school. And I think probably some of our year sevens found coming to secondary school really difficult because they didn't have that. Usually you would have kind of like your transition days, you'd come into your new secondary school and meet the teachers okay. and get to mm. see the building, whereas they didn't have that opportunity. So they came in September, having just been in lockdown for, I guess, what, four or five months. Mm. And all of a sudden they're, they're in this new big school. And I can imagine that was probably quite, challenging for some of them yeah and trying to make friends when you mm -hmm. haven't met them I know like some of my friends have started new jobs during the pandemic and they've been working from home and it, it takes such a long time to form relationships with people I can't imagine how difficult it would be for you know 11 year olds I know yeah <laughs> but I think that's amazing you're there to support them and I mean as teachers it must have been hard as well because you're not with your colleagues all the time as well yeah, it was super hard because like I said earlier, like one of the reasons I love my school so much is because of the people that I work with. Mm. Um, like I honestly can't imagine working in a school with more amazing people. And I've formed some of my best friendships at, at this school that I work in. So it was so hard not seeing my colleagues every day. Um, mm. I mean, we obviously like stayed in touch over WhatsApp and we did lots of, I mean, the Zoom pub quizzes and the Zoom socials <laughs> that were really like everyone loved in the first lockdown. Yeah. We did lots of those and we kept in touch all the time. But the, it, there's not it's not the same ever as sitting with your colleague over lunch and talking something out or asking them what they're teaching next period. Have they got any good ideas like that mm -hmm. whole side of teaching, which is really important, had gone. Okay. Um, 
and I really missed it and it's just made me value my colleagues even more now that we're back in the building um, how important it is to have that support network around you as a teacher yeah so how is it now you're back in schools in school. so <laughs> right now I think it feels the most normal it's felt for a really long time um mm. I guess although cases are rising at the minute which mm. I think people have been a bit nervous about but we know that the deaths aren't rising there mm. is like a glimmer of hope that actually we can get back to normal mm. and being back at school right now is is really nice actually because um it, it it kind of provides a bit of normality in your day in a world that isn't normal mm. because although things are getting back to normal we're still wearing masks on the tube and the bus and there's still limits on what we can do whereas at school it's it's very very normal at the minute when we first went back um especially I think at Christmas when things were getting bad again it, it was very strange mm-hmm. um like be maintaining like social distance and wearing masks all the time and only being able to walk in one direction around the building oh, it was gosh. so yeah it was so so different um to what we were used to and it felt kind of like almost dystopian in a way you know mm. yeah <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't normal no and now you can actually I guess like interact with your colleagues a bit more you can I mean I know there's still bubbles I think like yeah in terms of uh, I guess form classes as well yeah 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 um but I know another part of your role that you I think I think really enjoy is the pastoral side so like having your tutor group and mm-hmm. so do you have because it's mixed years isn't it it's not all you know this is a year seven group you have mm-hmm. a few different years and what kind of it's not always about the lessons is it it's not about the classes and the education it's more about life education in my role now as head of department I don't have my own tutor group which is mm. really really sad because I've had I had a tutor group for the whole time I've been there so I'll, I guess I'll talk about my experience as a tutor previously um yeah you're right like being being a teacher or working in a school in any capacity the the education is just a small part of what you're doing yeah um because I guess you go to school also to learn how to be to be an adult to learn how to be a citizen of a community um and and being a tutor is a, a really lovely part of being a teacher um because you do, again, build such nice bonds with the students in your tutor group and also with their families. Mm. So the way that we tutored previously, although it's changed at the minute because of our bubbles, was that, yeah, we did have mixed tutor groups. So we'd have Mm. students from year seven to 11 in the same room. And I've never, you know, when I was at school, it was not like that. And I'd never really heard of tutor groups kind of formed in that way mm. but it was just so lovely um seeing like year 11 students help the year 7 students with their homework or oh, you know, so like nice. a, I know it's so cute or a year 10 student saying to a year 9 student you know next year you should do this or you know I can help you with this like just the bonds that they formed were sweet um yeah it's been a tutor's lovely and you would often see kind of like you would you would see a student through from year 7 to 11 so when mm-hmm. Like I said, yeah, you form you form those nice bonds with their families as well because you see them very often at parents' evenings and you're always communicating with them over the phone. Mm. So it's it's just like you're not just working in your school, like you're forming bonds and relationships with people in your community as well um, through being a tutor, mm. which is lovely. Although now, like I said, I don't have a tutor group, which yeah. is very sad. Um. <laughs> I think that's so nice you actually follow them 
throughout the whole of their school experience. I mean, at least until year 11. And I mean, I remember my tutor group, it was all people in my year and in my like house as well. It wasn't like people from other houses around the school. And it changed, I think every year. So mm. we had, you know, different tutors all the time. Um, but I think be able to follow them and see how they're developing, how they're dealing with school as well. And you can probably identify when they're struggling a bit more because you've mm-hmm. already got that relationship with them. Yeah, no, it's 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 so important. And I, I I still kind of like love seeing my old tutees around school and like yeah. saying hi to them and asking how they are. So it just means you get to know a much wider variety of students as well across the whole school. Yeah. Which is really nice. Um yeah, really important part of being a teacher. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It sounds like you have such a strong community and you can tell that you absolutely love it as well. So yeah, I know that we've spoken a bit before about uh, working in state schools compared to maybe private schools. And mm-hmm. I think you said that you're much more suited and you would prefer to be working in a state school. What mm-hmm. were your reasons kind of for that? I'm just interested to hear. Yeah, I think, you know, I can understand why many parents send their children to private schools mm-hmm. and those students are super lucky and super super privileged to go to amazing yeah. schools because private schools are very often really fantastic schools mm-hmm. that provide students with amazing opportunities um but as you know like I'm super passionate about um like social justice and mm-hmm. making sure we live in a, an equal world and so for me working in a state school suits my views on on the world much more um mm. and because for me it's super important that it, it just because you have the privilege of money or the privilege of wealth that you you should be the only ones to be given opportunities and mm. state schools should be just as good as private schools um and should be able to provide students with the same opportunities and so i feel i feel more fulfilled it appeals to, to what I'm really passionate about in society, which is equal opportunities and social mobility. Mm. Well, exactly. And you want to ha- make sure that good teachers don't just all go to maybe better funded schools. You yeah. want, you know, everyone to have that opportunity. I think that's so important. And I mean, you're obviously a great teacher. So you've kind of, <laughs> you know, you've got that relationship with all the students. You really care. I think that's so mm-hmm. important. You care so much what other values do you think that teachers should hold or the type of person maybe who should or maybe shouldn't be a teacher as well? I mean, whenever I talk to anyone who's kind of like, oh, I don't know what I should do or I'm thinking about a career change, I always recommend teaching Mm. because I I don't actually think that there is like a perfect profile of a teacher. I think if you are someone who has a real passion for a particular subject. Um, Teaching is an amazing career opportunity because essentially you get to talk about something you love all day long and you're you're trying to convince other people to love it as well. I think you need to be someone who, um, not sociable is the wrong word. You don't need to be sociable to a teacher, but you need to like like working with other people because Mm -hmm. it's not a job where you you are just sat on your own doing kind of your own individual projects. Yeah on your computer all day you have to be a good communicator like communicating and I think you have to have a lot of energy as well um Mm -hmm. because it's uh, sometimes I think about it as I'm I'm almost like an actor and actress because (laughs) you can't bring 
your own life into that room Mm. like if I'm having a bad day you know something's gone wrong in the morning I can't take that bad mood into the room with me I have Mm. to become Miss Dunn and (laughs) you you have like your teacher persona I mean you're obviously the way that I teach is not the way that I am all the time with my friends or my family so Mm. you're kind of you're putting on your persona and and persona is perhaps the wrong word because it makes it sound inauthentic but Mm. you have to have that energy and that enthusiasm yeah of course all day long Mm. because as soon as you let that energy go or that enthusiasm go the students notice that and it can make your lesson less enjoyable Mm. um so yes energy enthusiasm good communicator passionate about subjects I guess you also have to like children yeah I think that probably helps <laughs> I was asking some my year 10s have been doing work experience okay. um, and I said to them yes they would only of you ever be a teacher and they were just like miss no we don't oh. have enough patience for children and I was like fair enough yes yeah. Kate you have to have a lot of patience and yeah you have mm-hmm. to like young people you have mm-hmm. to like spending time with them because I, I don't spend that much time with my adult colleagues like yeah. my, the majority of my day is spent with teenagers <laughs> Yeah, you don't get many jobs that do that for sure. (laughs) I think that's great. And then, I mean, you have to really like kids, obviously, as you say. Mm -hmm. You've told me so many funny stories like over the years. I think my favourite was some of the boys, they uh, got the hottest chilli in the world or something. And, you know, who could eat the most or something. I can't even remember. What was the story? I mean, it's actually happened numerous times. I think it's a bit of like a... (laughs) an initiation for some of the boys in our school like at the time obviously you're absolutely furious because they cause (laughs) chaos and they make themselves really ill but as with lots of things in schools when you reflect back and you you think about the things students say or do that at the time might have annoyed you or caused you uh wasted your time a little bit you actually can laugh um Mm. yes some of our boys and they they did it again just recently and my very good (laughs) friend who is the head of year 10 was just in despair they brought in a scotch bonnet or something a very hot chili (laughs) and ate it and made themselves incredibly ill um, and caused chaos in our medical room for our poor school nurse (laughs) and got in a lot a lot of trouble um, for being so silly however you if you don't laugh at these things Mm. you know you have to have a really good sense of humor as a teacher um because otherwise you might cry at yeah, some, of the, some of the things they do. <laughs> I mean, I find that, I mean, I'm obviously an outside party looking in and just hearing the stories, but I find them so funny. And, but I mean, also as a teacher, you have to tell students off sometimes or tell pupils off sometimes. Yeah. And I remember one of my friends, like I was always pretty good at school. Like I didn't really get told off or anything. Um, but the, he was like, showing me like how we'd be as a you know as a teacher <laughs> and then like I was like okay so but how would you tell someone off and he basically told me off and I, I was like oh my god I'm in school again <laughs> I feel like oh my god I feel so horrible um but it must be sometimes quite hard if you actually think something's quite funny mm. but they it's not really acceptable behavior in the classroom mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. to you know be quite stern and tell them mm-hmm. off when actually inside you're like yeah it's quite amusing <laughs> so yeah I mean they say silly silly things all the time and and you know I think in terms of telling students off or managing behavior like again often humor is often a really good yeah cause of action and can often diffuse a situation 
Um, I don't know how many students respond very well to being shouted at. Mm, yeah. I think, and and yeah, sometimes I do lose my temper. Lots of sometimes teachers do lose their temper, but I I, I think if I was kind of giving advice to someone who was a new teacher or or was asking about how we manage behaviour. Mm. you just have to really understand what works for each student because some I think like if I think about myself at school I get I would like you was was very good I didn't get into trouble and if I did something wrong and a teacher was quite stern with me that would really really work because mm. I would be like oh you know I don't like this I don't want to be told off yeah whereas yeah. for some students that kind of sternness and authoritative attitude actually doesn't work for them they don't respond well to that so mm you learn as you get to know students what works um like do you need to use humor sometimes to diffuse the situation do you need to give them time out of the room to let them calm down or reflect or are they a student who is usually very good probably like we were and actually just a stern word is, yeah. is super effective um so yeah there's not like a one one size fits all way of dealing with behavior issues um mm. And also it's about relationships as well. Like I always say to new teachers who've come into the school and, and maybe find behavior really difficult. I'm like, the longer you're with those students and the more you show them that you care about them and um, the better they get to know you and the better you get to know them, you build that trust and that bond. And that often can really help when, mm. when students are finding it difficult to engage or are having a bad day. Um, because I don't think that many students come to school and misbehave just for the sake of it. There's often mm. a really good reason behind it. Mm, so maybe something outside of school or even at school that's yeah. in the last class, but maybe. Yeah, exactly. I, being a teenager is really hard. Yeah, I, <laughs> and, I, was, I, I think I can remember. It feels like a long time ago. <laughs> that's so yeah. good. So, I mean, I love hearing all of these stories and your career journey, but for you, what has been the best thing of being a teacher or even the best, I mean, it could be the best class you ever had, the best experience. What's the best thing about your career so far? I think for me, like I keep saying it, it's, it's just the people, both the mm. other adults I work with, but also the children. Mm. Um, like every, every single year, I just kind of like look at the kids that I teach and I just think you're so amazing. Like you're so much fun you're so funny, you're so mm. bright and interesting. And there's not many days where I go into school and I don't just have a really, really fun time. Yeah. Um, just, and, and also just getting to see people grow up. Yeah. Like that's one of the reasons I've stayed at my school is because I just love seeing children, you know, arrive in year seven as, you know, really young and so often quite shy and they're in this big new school. And then mm. by year 11, they've become these amazing, often very, really confident um, people who have great ambitions and goals and you're just so excited for them. Yeah. We just had our year 11 leavers party. They couldn't have a prom because I guess of COVID restrictions this mm. year, but we had a, a celebration, the playground for them and like reading their yearbook and lots of them saying how they were so proud of themselves for becoming so much more confident at school and all the amazing oh. things they've achieved it's just that kind of I guess it's maybe a bit like being a parent in a way although a lot easier because you, you only have to see them for a few hours a day you just <laughs> you just see them develop and become these like mini adults and mm. it's just so so lovely um 
seeing them in, uh, progress and improve and grow up that's probably the best thing mm-hmm. um yes I I just been with the, the people all day who I really appreciate and love spending time with yeah I bet and it must be so fulfilling to know that you're making you know a difference to people's lives I think in terms of like how I view the world and like for me education mm. is is just the number one thing that is for me is it's just the most important thing that anyone can have mm. because an education opens doors for you and, and gives you opportunities so in that sense yes like being part of something which can change someone's life or yeah. give people opportunities to do whatever they want to do is amazing um I'm really like I'm really proud to be an educator to be a teacher and to contribute to education in the UK it makes me feel really proud you're making me feel quite emotional (laughs) (laughs) I think it's amazing um but I mean conversely what Mm -hmm. do you think is the hardest thing I think it's really hard work Mm. um like I said earlier like we get we get amazing holidays and I always and not that I want to leave teaching uh, or, or thinking about a career change but I always think okay like if I were ever to career change would I be able to cope without these amazing <laughs> holidays because like you always know you've got the holiday on the horizon and things are tough mm-hmm. it is really really hard work um, and there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes that I think if you're not in education or you don't know a teacher you don't realize um, and often it's quite emotionally taxing mm-hmm. like yes it's fantastic working with young people but often those young people are going through difficult things or you might learn things about a child that you're working with that are if they're having a hard time at home they're quite upsetting or you're taking on a lot of people's emotions and so it's hard work mentally and I guess emotionally Mm. um and not I don't and I always knew it would be so it's not unexpected hard work but it's tire. It's it is it's a tiring job, um, mm. and so like, I think the holidays are well deserved by the time you get there because mm. I, I feel like for six to eight weeks you're just on go 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 go, and there's often in your day you just never know what's going to happen. Like you mm. could walk into your classroom and you just don't know what could happen. So you're constantly like on high high alert and high energy, ready to respond. Mm. Um, yeah, but, they could go around eating more chilies any day. Exactly. You do not know when a kid's going to eat a chili. Um, <laughs> but that hard work is fulfilling because you, you see something amazing come out of it. So mm. although it is hard, it, you know that the hard work is, is important hard work and it's meaningful hard work. It's not just hard work for the sake of it. Yeah. So when you're having a bad day, you just have to remind yourself <laughs> why you're doing it. Mm. yeah and then hopefully the next day will be better as well yeah exactly so looking forward I know that you've kind of you're in your first year of this new role but what would you like or what do you think the future holds for you I or I I often think about the future and I wonder if at kind of like 60 I'm still going to be a teacher because I I think teaching is a very energetic job Mm. um but at the moment, I can't imagine myself not being in a school. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy in my new role as um, head of department. And I'm really looking forward to next year where hopefully 
we'll be able to have a bit more of a normal school year and we won't be going into lockdowns and kind of exams hopefully won't be cancelled. Mm. So I'm really excited to kind of to see where the future of what the future for my department is and where we can take the department. So I have no plans to kind of be moving mm. within my, my role at all for the, at least the next few years because I want to enjoy it and I want to get better at it and I want to be the best head of department I can be. And I guess thinking long term, at the moment, I can't imagine not working in a school, mm. but I guess you never know what the future holds. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of other amazing jobs because I think I would always, always want to work with people. Mm. I can't imagine now going, especially having done like remote working where you're kind of just sat at your computer all day in an office environment. I can't imagine me being in that environment. Mm. Um, so I think I'd always need a job where I was with people in quite a busy atmosphere but for mm. now I'm really really happy working in, in schools in my school and yeah that's where I see myself <laughs> that's really good it's, I mean you sound like you're definitely in the right place for where you want to be which is brilliant and I think many people would be quite jealous <laughs> of that as well in that you know it's your passion and you love it even if there are hard days like mm-hmm, you absolutely mm-hmm. love it and I could tell you're so empathetic you really understand what kids mm-hmm. might be going through or at least look out for it so you can be aware and have that conversation so if someone wanted to get into teaching what yeah. advice would you give them I would say go and kind of not not necessarily go and work as a teaching assistant or an LSA because mm. I think some people know that they want to do it but I think take opportunities to go and visit schools um, observe teachers make sure it's it's what you really really want to do because Mm. I think if you're if teaching is good when you enjoy it yeah and and but it's teaching is hard I think if you don't if you're not enjoying it yeah because it's not just a job where you can just kind of get things done close your laptop at the end of the day and forget about it 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 often takes over your week where you're in school Mm. so I would say yes go and watch teachers visit schools um look at all the different options that are available to you for teacher training because there's so many different ways to get into teaching now okay um we there's obviously teach first which I did there's your PGC if you're somebody who feels like you want to go through the university route there's a program called schools direct which we do at our school which is very similar to teach first where you train on the job okay there's programs out there as well for people who are further into their careers and they are career changers Mm. um so there's just so many options and you you need to find the one that's right for you that will give you the right support and the right pathway into teaching Mm. I think that's really good advice like there's no one size fits all and there can't be one teacher as well you know you've got to have all these all different types of personalities experiences types of people Mm -hmm. um I think that's really good advice but I am so proud to know you and Aww. like I've loved this conversation. I feel quite emotional. I feel like I need to, like everyone should be empowered and go and be a teacher and like make a difference to kids' lives. And it's so obvious to me that you really care for them and you really care about what you're doing, which is so nice to hear. Um, not that I doubt it, that you didn't, but it's just really lovely to have that conversation with you. So thank you so much, Charlotte. Oh, no, thank on, you. For being on Help I'm in my 20s, I think it's just such a lovely conversation and I think it's so interesting to hear some of the details of actually what being a teacher is and what it's like 
No, thanks for having me. It's been nice to just talk about, I guess, I've never sat and talked about being a teacher for this long before. So it's <laughs> been really nice to just talk about it with you and talk about my experience. So thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Charlotte. That was such a lovely conversation. And it's so clear to me how Charlotte cares, has so much empathy, understanding, and is so passionate about teaching. We touched on so much from degree choices to working with kids who need extra help in school through Teach First and now to running a department, pastoral care, the impact of coronavirus on education, and how the curriculum can be diversified. I found it so insightful to talk to Charlotte and hear what it's like to be a teacher at a more holistic level. And as Charlotte says, if you're considering a career change, consider teaching. If you like this episode, please subscribe to him more and maybe like and comment, maybe even share it with your network, which would be really appreciated. If you'd like to get in touch or be a guest in my next series, please email help.20s.podcast at gmail.com. I'm Georgie and thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Help. I'm in my 20s. See you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.